Hello and welcome to Herbological Discussions. Today we're talking about Python systematics and taxonomy. Alright, uh, so today's paper is, is kind of a big undertaking and uh, I'm not sure I'm up to task, but we'll go for it anyway. Uh, the title of the paper is a review of the systematics and taxonomy of Pythonidae and ancient serpent lineage. And this is a paper by kind of the godfathers of uh, Python um, keeping and, and uh, <laughs> research in, in herpetoculture, and that's uh, Dave Barker and Tracy Barker. Um, they also include uh, Mark Davis and Gordon Shewitt as uh, authors on this publication. So um, it's it's pretty interesting publication. So uh, in, in this, they kind of undertake to uh, discuss all the past efforts uh, to classify pythons. Um, they identify taxonomic changes uh, to resolve paraphyletic relationships and look at future directions to resolve uh, long-standing issues in Python taxonomy and systematics. Um, in addition to this, if, if that wasn't enough for you, <laughs> they also look at uh, the morphology of two recently proposed genera, and they designate and describe a neotype for Morelia azuria, which is the northern uh, green tree python. And they also give a nice uh, summary list of all the currently accepted python species as a table in the manuscript. So this was a recent publication in 2015 uh, in the Zoological Journal of the Linnaean Society. And uh, I, I was really excited to see this uh, publication because Python taxonomy has always been kind of a little bit uh, here and there and, and uh, all over the place with depending on which, which authors and which analyses were used. So I think that's the kind of the, one of the purposes that they undertake in this uh, publication is to help help understand or help clarify things with with the uh, Python taxonomy. So, uh, cool stuff, right? Um, so, as an introduction, um, so pythons were described by science in 1758 by Linnaeus, and uh, in 1850, uh, 13 species had been recognized, uh, followed by 12 more by the uh, end of the 1800s. In the 20th century, uh, 15 more were described, including uh, 10 species and 5 subspecies. And then in the uh, period between 2000 and 2013, uh, 12 new taxa had been described, 9 species and 3 subspecies. So this yields a total of 44 currently recognized species, and many of those uh, are subspecies. So, uh, or rather many include subspecies, I should say. So 44 species recognized of, of python. Um, there's been several papers on taxonomy and systematics over the years, but there's still many things that are unresolved. And this is, uh, you know, many of the previous uh, studies were based on um, morphology, and later uh, they included evolutionary or genetic analysis. And so... Um, this has been helpful. Now, one of the big things that's kind of been debated uh, in this arena is the geographic origin of pythons, and they've they've kind of narrowed it down to two choices: your Laurasian uh, versus Gondwanan origin. And so, um, this basically this argument depends on which clade is basal, and this has been kind of uh, different between the authors. And so. 
I think it's been resolved after this paper, so we'll, we'll kind of talk about that. So the, the history of Python taxonomy in a nutshell includes several papers that the, the authors go through. Uh, the first of which is McDowell in 1975. Now this was a very detailed morphologic study that included many different characteristics of morphology to classify them. They recognized uh, Morelia, sorry, Molurus, the, the rock pythons, and the reticulatus groups, um, which kind of uh, shaped his classification scheme. Um, so these were this was the first time those were kind of uh, recognized as, as specific groups. And uh, Underwood and uh, sorry Underwood came along in 1976 and uh, used uh, um, phyletic analysis and identified maybe a potential for the Laurasian origin of the pythons. And later, with uh, co-author Stimson in 1990, um, looked at, performed the first phylogenetic analysis and uh, identified the monophyletic. Um, classification of pythons and also confirmed the Laurasian origin uh, hypothesis and uh, lumped a bunch of species in Morelia. That was kind of their um, area where they just put stuff they didn't really know what to do with I guess. <laughs> so a lot of things were Morelia after the Underwood and Stimson uh, publication in 1990. Uh, Kluge in 1993 had uh, kind of the greatest impact on systematics and taxonomy um, the, he utilized uh, 24 species in his analysis and uh, utilized 121 morphological and behavioral characters. So this is a pretty big undertaking, I would say. Uh, he resurrected Leopython and uh, created Apidora for Papuana. And uh, so, it was, you know, a very nice analysis. Um, and... The authors of the current publication, uh, the Barkers and the others, uh, go into great discussion on the uh, support for Apidora and some of the characteristics that make that genus or that species within that genus very unique and different from Lyasis, which they are maybe superficially similar to but, but have very many different characteristics. So if you're interested in uh, the Apidora versus Laesis debate, go ahead and uh, check out this publication for more details. Um, another recommendation was uh, for Somalia, which uh, kind of separated out the Amastinia uh, clade, including Bolani. And uh, this paper, uh, so the, uh, we're, we're still talking about the Kluge 1993 paper, it also assigned Viridus uh, to Morelia kind of lumped it in there with, with a lot of the others and got rid of chondropython. Um, recognized uh, Aspidites as a basal clade instead of pythons, so that suggests more of a Gondwanan origin for pythons. Uh, and he based that on um, the what he considered or what he hypothesized uh, basis, basal species characteristics uh, would include no heat pits on the face, which is found in Aspidites, as well as maybe a smaller size and entire subcattles and other things based on morphology that he thought uh, kind of symbolized the basal uh, status for different pythons. Um, 
the next uh, paper here that they talk about is Lawson in 2004, and he used a nucleotide sequence of mitochondrial genes um, of the cytochrome B uh, protein and um, looked at uh, or identified Python or, or the Malurus group as sister to all other pythons, so put them basal again. So that kind of confirmed um, Underwood and Stimson as the Laurasian origin of pythons. Um, he also included some strange relationships, uh, including Viridus with uh, Maculosa, or showed they were closely related using the cytochrome B analysis, and uh, uh, also with Spilota with children eye. So, kind of mixed things around a little bit, which is is a little strange, I guess, when you consider the animals themselves and not just their genes. <laughs> um, the next paper, Graziotin, Graziotin. <laughs> Uh, 2007. Um, he also based had his based on more molecular characters. Uh, the, he included more genes here, four uh, nuclear and or sorry, five nuclear and four more mitochondrial genes, and uh, further demonstrated that Python is the basal genus of the uh, pythons. So um, he also included Antaresia as a sister group to all Indo-Australian pythons, kind of making them um, basal uh, to, to the Indo-Australian groups, and that was some, something that was unique. Uh, this kind of su he suggested also some conflicting results in molecular studies due to taxon sampling, so made us aware of, of that issue, and, and recommended that the genetic approach be more wide ranging or, or I guess he, he termed it a total evidence approach including morphology and fossils and uh, other evidence to to uh, classify pythons. Now the one of the main uh, or, or kind of uh, great papers of our time is I think is Rawlings in 2008 and his co-authors uh, they describe um, morpho morphological and molecular uh, I, Characters to answer the geographic origin question. So that was kind of the main thing. Where did they uh, or originate from? And kind of goes through that. But um, he he demonstrates that the Python genus, uh, followed by the Reticulatus group, um, including Timorensis, and then followed by the Australopython uh, species. So this his analysis did include some paraphyly. Uh, due to Antaresia in the middle of Morelia, uh, but this was uh, due to the inclusion of Bolani in Morelia, um, which later we'll talk about uh, as potentially uh, not the best fit for Bolani. Um, this is shown in Figure Four of the Barker's publication. Uh, he also this this uh, paper also proposes the use of Brughamerus for reticulatus clade. Um, as many know, uh, Brockhamerus is kind of a touchy subject. This is one of the hoser names and later would be definitely uh, refuted as taxonomic vandalism. But uh, So he identified a need to separate out the reticulatus clade. Um, and he also further confirmed a Laurasian origin. So that was kind of the, uh, the summary of his paper that uh, pythons likely originated from Laurasia. Uh, Pyrone in, in 2013 did a huge phylogenetic analysis of 4,000, uh, more than 4,000 species, um, 
using 12,896 base pairs per species in his analysis from 12 different genes. So this was a huge undertaking. Um, so the Python groups were just kind of uh, you know, within this huge analysis, so probably sampling was not the best for, for the different species, but um, it, it didn't really resolve things, but it did demonstrate further that Python is the basal genus. Um, with followed by the reticulatus clade and, and followed by all others, so not a not a huge uh, resolution thing. This was more of a broad scope paper, but it did kind of clarify a few things that way using this huge uh, genetic analysis. And then late in the next year, by uh, Reynolds Group, uh, 2014, he uh, did another uh, phylogenetic analysis uh, using genetic characteristics. Um, and he revised the, uh, the, the pythons to uh, eight genus uh, groups with 40 species. So he included uh, Malayopython, which uh, included the reticulatus group. So he has pythons, as, or the genus python as basal, followed by Malayopython, followed by Morelia, and then Anteresia, uh, then Liasis, and then a new, uh, another new one, Somalia, and then uh, Aspidites, and then the last one is Bothrochilus. So the Malayopython replaced uh, the proposed Broghamaris by Rawlings and uh, removed that hoser name from, from existence. <laughs> and uh, so Malayopython represents the reticulatus group, and then the Somalia is the other new one, and that included the Amastinia clade, and that kind of resolves some of the issues observed with Rawlings, in, including the paraphyly of Morelia, and so it removes uh, Bolini uh, from that group, and so your Morelia fits nicely, and uh, so is a little more basal compared to the Amastinia clade. So, taking all of these publications together, uh, it's, it's really kind of difficult to come out with a very clear picture unless you use um, all, all kind of things together. So they, they kind of summarize this very nicely, but they do recognize there is some incongruence. Um, there's some paraphyly, low node support, etc. that uh, is, is difficult to resolve with the current uh, analyses that have been performed. And they suggest that you know further work needs to be done utilizing new tools to uh, figure out what's, what's exactly going on. Um, another issue they, they identified was um, some instability or phylogenetic instability based on rapid speciation, which was proposed for, for a lot of the Australian origin species, or rather Australian species, not Australian origin. So um, they uh, recommend, I guess, 10 genera. Uh, two monotypic genera included in those uh, that have been used in the past. And this gives some consistency in the groupings. Uh, molecular studies confirm that the python genus is the basal genus, followed by the Malayopython or the reticulatus clade, and then followed by Australopopin. They also uh, specify the Australopopin gene, uh, group would probably be better referred to as Indo-Australian group because a lot of the species within that uh, grouping are found in Indonesia. Um, Anteresia and Morelia kind of uh, continue to be problematic. Um, they may have 
past kind of an anomaly zone in evolutionary history, making kind of resolution of those two groups uh, somewhat difficult. But uh, further work, hopefully, will give shed more light into that. Now, taxonomy is kind of a moving target uh, over uh, long periods of time, but uh, these rapid speciation events and, and other things can make that uh, somewhat difficult, more difficult to resolve, I suppose. Um, you know, taxonomy is kind of funny that way anyway. I'm not much of a taxonomist, or, um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting to see everything kind of put together and see the resolution that you get and what, what you see on the other end. Um, a subspecies analysis has not been done, uh, and that, that's one thing that the authors note. And so, uh, you know, looking at subspecies, that may be a little, uh, that might be something that would reveal some more cryptic uh, um, species in, in that regard. So, it's hard to say. Um, you know, what, what, what uh, constitutes a subspecies, I guess. And, uh, According to Frost and Hillis in 1990, they said evoking, invoking a particular level of genetic distance or morphological divergence as a species criterion is neither appropriate nor fruitful. And you know, I'm not sure how much I agree with that because uh, there's there's many instances where these some of these uh, snake species or subspecies differ quite uh, substantially in regards to genetic. Uh, Variation, but they are they are still listed as either subspecies or or not even you know many authors don't even recognize subspecies, so it makes it very difficult to uh, kind of put those guys in their place. <laughs> and you know I've got kind of a soft spot for the Morelia genus and and especially the Spilota complex and the, all those uh, subspecies or uh, that are recognized or or not so recognized within the Morelia Spilota complex. Um, you know, I think there's, there's, they're lacking information there, and I think further research and more fine um, tuning of that might give us some insights into that. But I think it also depends on a lot on the author doing, or the uh, researcher doing the work. If they're a lumper, uh, you know, they're probably going to throw things together and not recognize subspecies, whereas if they're a splitter, they may elevate some to species level or uh, recognize more subspecies. So it depends on the person doing the work because there's no real clear criteria for uh, some of these things. So it makes it a little frustrating for, for us uh, armchair uh, <laughs> taxonomists, or whatever you want to call us. So um, anyway, that's, uh, I think this was some really inf uh, interesting information uh, put together in one spot and as a nice review of the literature. Um, the other thing they, they did was uh, they described or, or gave the paratype, or neotype, sorry, neotype for Morelia azuria. Now, uh, Rawlings and Donnellan revealed some uh, the existence of a cryptic species that is sister to Morelia viridis. And so back in 1974, Meyer uh, discovered you know, some uh, what he termed chondropython azurius, um, and he found... Uh, that up in kind of the northern areas of, of New Guinea. And so later, uh, Schlieb and O'Shea uh, recognized that the, this, uh, because of the findings of Rawlings and Donnellan and the original name by Meyer um, proposed the name Morelia Azuria. Uh, so the Azurus versus Azuria is based on 
uh, chondropython versus morelia and so it's just a usage uh, thing for for scientific nomenclature um, so the uh, the authors here proposed that a uh, specimen from preserved in 1993 that was uh, obtained from Bioc um, be uh, designated the neotype for Morelia azuria. This is a female specimen, uh, 121 centimeters, and it lists all the scale counts, etc., and gives a nice picture of the uh, line drawing of the head. Um, it's designated UTAR-61633 for anybody who's interested or geeks out on that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, they give kind of that description of Morelia azuria, and that's kind of been a long time coming as the Rawlings and, and uh, paper was back in 2008. <laughs> so uh, that's nice to see that finally finally done or, or put to put to rest. So now we have Morelia azuria. Um, uh, kind of boggles the mind to think about how many uh, how many. Morelia zuria and Morelia viridis have been hybridized <laughs> over the years. So, uh, the other thing that the paper did, uh, and the last thing that we'll talk about, is they give kind of the description of the, the two new uh, genera, uh, Somalia, uh, which is the amethystin uh, amethystinia complex, as well as Malayopython, which uh, is the reticulatus complex. So Somalia was uh, proposed by Gray in 1849, and the they list the type uh, as Amasthenia. Um, they can be differentiated by various uh, characteristics, such as the superlabial and rostral pits, uh, superlorial scales, and they also have very plate-like and large scales on the head. And this this genus um, is composed of seven species. Um, and those include um, amethystinia, um, amethystinia, I'm having a lot of trouble with that word there, um, Bolani, Clastiolepis, uh, Kinghorni, Nada, Oenpelensis, and Oenpeliensis, and Traceae. So those are the included species within Somalia. Um, the other genus, Malayopython, was proposed by Reynolds in 2014 to blot out uh, the Broghammerus designation for this uh, genus. Uh, they, he lists the type as reticulatus and uh, differentiates this with other similar species by the anterior superlabial pits are, are more shallow than the posterior, which is the reverse in Python. Uh, the posterior infralabial pits are in a deep longitudinal channel, which is unique. Um, there's no flare in the supraorbital portion of the maxilla, in case you're looking at the maxilla of your reticulated python, you can see that that's very different than uh, those of Morelia or other python species. <laughs> um, they have one superlabial scale entering the orbit, whereas other species have two to three, such as Morelia and, and some of the others. And this is only composed of two species, reticulatus and timorensis. So um, that... Uh, there's more details, of course, within the uh, publication, and I encourage everybody to read it and check it out. Uh, let me know if I'm off base on some of my conclusions here or my summary here. Uh, but this has been a very interesting paper to read. I think it's well done, well written, and, and there's some interesting observations and conclusions here. So hopefully that came out in this podcast. 
But uh, I encourage everybody to read that and uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Herpetological Discussions.